Welcome in to the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, a dominant 131 to 113 win for the Knicks over the Washington Wizards. Alex, we were talking about it pre show. We were tired of these close, heartbreaking, backbreaking, everything breaking games. And the Knicks, they gave us they gave us some Theragun style relief tonight, Alex. This was easy. This was calm, cool, and collected. I didn't sweat a bit. Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, and company took care of business. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Randall, 37 points, second highest total of the season, made it look easy. Mitchell Robinson rounds back into form. R.J. Barrett has just the latest in a line of one of his best games of the season. Alec Burks continues to go off off the bench. And we even got a little Emmanuel quickly, uh, one point per minute uh, garbage time extravaganza to end this game. So good times all around. We'll get into it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's good. And he's Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, and this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me and Alex at 5.30. We're talking trade deadline. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please be there. We're going to have less tech issues this time because we're prepared this time around to get in on all the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times, but during this ongoing apocalypse, just a meager podcast host, and I'm joined by Alex Wolf, the great editor-in-chief of the Strickland, my co-host. Alex, this game was a whole lot of fun. Where do you want to start? Oh man, where to start? I mean, I feel like we don't even have to recap the actual action of the game so much as just the individual performances because the Knicks just sort of got out early in this game and you know they they scored 39 points in the first quarter which should have been an indicator of just how good they were going to be for the rest of the game outscored the wizards 30 to 18 in the second quarter uh identical funny identical first and third quarters i didn't realize this 39 to 31 in both those quarters wind up losing the final quarter it didn't matter they were already so far ahead that uh it, it was pretty much just a whole quarter of garbage time although the starters did play for a pretty decent amount of time because I doubt that the backups were playing bad enough to to fully cough up the game, but Tibbs took no chances. Put Julius Randle back out there, you know, put the the A squad out to kind of close things out. But as far as individual performances, I mean, we've <laughs> we've done enough of just brushing Julius's good performances to the side until the end of the show lately uh, that I feel like we should probably give him the you know the top spot again in this episode. Thirty seven points. 13 to 24 shooting, 7 to 10 from three point range, four or five from the free throw line. But, you know, only had six rebounds and two assists. What a bum. Uh, <laughs> but also had a team high plus 21, which was super earned in this game. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin with Julius's scoring outburst because it was just like, it reminded me a lot of 
I mean, to a lesser extent, obviously, but remember when Melo had 50 points on all jumpers? Like, it, it had that same sort of energy because I, I'd have to look at his shot chart. I'd be surprised if Julius made more than one or two shots on the inside out of his 13 makes. It just felt like it was all mid-range and three-pointers. And, you know, the, the three was just looking so good. He had this one stretch where uh, he hit three in a row in the third quarter, and he just was unconscious. I mean, he hit the one uh, from the corner, I think was the first one, and then the next two were, like, just above the break on the on the right side, I think, if my memory is serving me correctly. But all three of them were just absolute butter, like, just came out of his hands. You're like, yeah, that one's good. And, and then they went in, and you're like, oh, oh, man, like, he is really – really on fire in this game and so much so that he then took sort of an ill-advised heat check uh right after that and and i think hit it on just off the side of the backboard or something it wasn't a pretty shot but it was awesome game from him gavin Uh, i i don't know what stands out to you in particular but that hot stretch was one of the most fun little mini stretches that uh, Knicks players had this season i think yeah, man, it was it was so much fun. And I, I tweeted out during the game that, and, and this is a sentiment I've heard from multiple other people, that against below average teams, he just turns into baby LeBron, basically. And tonight it looked it looked like a combo of LeBron and Steph Curry, essentially. But what really stands out is if you're not playing a great defense or at least a team with a great defender, there, there are just a lot of teams in the league that just – don't have a guy that can match up with him, especially when the shot is falling. Because you need someone with such versatility. He has to be a long, mobile defender with, with like the necessary wingspan to contest his shot and then the foot speed to stick with him going to the rim and the physicality to keep up with him. And, and the Wizards, suffice to say, did not have that guy. He opens up the game, the two straight threes. They have Rui Hachimura on him. It's probably the best option and checks the, the most of those boxes didn't really matter. Long two in his face. They try FDA on him as kind of like a, like a physical smart defender. And, and he just does, he does the Dirk fade over FDA. Uh, other people were tweeting at me saying he's done that a couple times this year. I don't really remember him doing the full Dirk, like where he pivots into it and he sticks the leg up to get separation and just bangs it. Then he just started bullying FDA, like took him inside, scored again, had 14 first quarter points, 39 for the Knicks, as you pointed out in the first quarter. Great start. Wizards never really recovered from it. Then I loved, uh, this is this is when he got into like the LeBron part of his bag. He backs out to near half court and just charges up a drive and just toasted Mo Wagner for an and one. Then hits like this crazy hierarching fadeaway. It reminded me of Kobe in just how much separation he got from, from the guy as he sort of pushed off his back foot. And then it reminded me of Dirk in terms of how high of an arc he got on the shot. It's just gorgeous. And, and again, like we say it almost every pod when we talk about him, just how much he's improved as a shooter. It's relatively unprecedented for someone who's been in the league for five or six years. And then he went on that run. You were talking about the third one. He, he looked he looked like Steph. It was like literally like a catch, turn, put it in the basket. That's how hot he was. And then his final basket of the night, I really enjoyed because he had that little stretch where like, I, I, I just like that. He, he was playing pissed in the second half and clearly like Russ and Beal were trying to talk some stuff to him and he, he just refused to take it. Like he, he started backing down Russ on that play, throwing his shoulder into him. I thought he was going to get called for a foul, but instead Russ flopped and, and the refs gave it to Julius. And then I think it was like one or two plays later. Clearly there, there's a little bit of bad blood there, which has me really excited for the second game between these two teams 
on Thursday, but Beal is in his face talking to him, and then he just drops Beal, step back in the corner, final shot of the night, end of the third quarter, nails it, and it, it was it was that kind of night for Julius Randle, start to finish domination. Yeah, for sure, and I just I don't know I love watching Randall when he's so on like this. You know, it's it it's nice to see him. Just these are the games that really just sort of hammer home that he's a different player from last year. I guess would be the way that I'd put it. Like some games, you know, he looks like he could just be like his best self from last year, which was you know there was some stretches under Mike Miller where he was playing really well and stuff like that. And then games like this one remind you, like, no, he's he's so much better than he was last year. I mean, he's like a legitimate superstar. And something about these games where he comes out against against guys that are, I don't know if I would say considered, well, okay, like most people will probably rank Bradley Beal ahead of Randall, rightly or wrongly, in like their overall player rankings. But it seems like especially against guys that are like big scorers and stuff like that and like guys that seemingly have more like star power than him. Randall comes out just with like a vengeance. And we've seen that in the Nets games. Um, we saw that against uh, what in one of the Bulls games, if I'm not mistaken, Randall had like a pretty big uh, scoring game and just like a pretty big game overall going up against Levine. And it, it's almost like Randall against these teams with the guys that are, Oh, and Sabonis also like there was that game that he just absolutely destroyed Sabonis like personally. Um, you know, it seems like he comes out in these games and just sort of has a chip on his shoulder uh, about proving just how good he is this year compared to some of his contemporaries or people that would be considered better players than him. Uh, so just, I think, another in the latest of a long line of those. Hopefully he can, hopefully he saves a little bit of magic for Thursday because um, it's going to be pretty difficult, I think, facing the same team twice in a row as it always is, particularly both at home. Um, but I, I guess we'll see as far as that's concerned. Yeah, and before Thursday, we we got to talk some trade deadline, Alex, and the place we're going to be doing that with anyone who wants to join us is Locker Room, and this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I will be hosting rooms for the Locked On Knicks pod once a week. This week, again, Wednesday at 5.30, talking trade deadline. Please join us. So, yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every single day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to big news or rumors and it was a great experience, Alex, the first time you and I got to do it. We, we had a little bit of tech trouble at the beginning. We were, we were figuring things out. But once we got it going, it was a whole lot of fun. And it, it was just it was cool for me to, to hear from some people who, who tune into the podcast all the time, hear their opinions. I'm always genuinely really impressed by how well-informed fans are sometimes even even more well-informed or have, have better takes than we do. Um, and it was it was it was really special, given that we haven't had to have we, we haven't been able to have um, those in-person meetups that we love so much pre-COVID for over a year now. And, and this this sort of replicated that same feel for me. So go download the free locker room app now currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter and join either the NFL, NBA, NHL group for the latest league updates. 
Follow me at Gavin Shaw to be notified when the room goes live. You can follow Alex at Alex Wolf. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live this week again, Wednesday at 5.30 with Alex to cover everything trade deadline. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Knicks. See you there. Locker room changing the way we talk sports. And, you know, locker room is changing how we talk sports. RockAuto.com is changing how we order parts for our cars or trucks. Because, you know, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's impossible for those little tiny stores to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you want to endure all of the pointless questioning, all the, you know, high prices, long shipping times to ship it to the store, not to your house. They ship it to the store for you to go pick up at their store a few days later. There's just a lot to go through for auto parts when, you know, in reality, you could just be ordering from rockauto.com. You can make that whole experience so much easier. And the best part is, is that you're going to pay the lowest price on the internet for your parts and for quality parts at that. Because rockauto.com does not charge you any more than they would a mechanic or any other person. Everybody pays the same low price because they don't have to deal with the overhead of having those brick and mortar stores with all those employees and everything else. They're shipping it right from the warehouse to you and getting you taken care of. And they have grade A customer service because they are a family business that's been doing this for over 20 years in their online uh, auto parts store. So if you want to check out some parts available for your car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you decide to pick up a part, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Occasionally, that's Gavin and I. Maybe after the trade deadline, it will be again. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So, Gavin, we talked about Julius Randle. Had him lead the show. Brought him back to his place of honor where he belongs. Uh, But now... There's another guy that's returning to a place of prominence on the show, and I'm so happy that he is. Mitchell Robinson had a fantastic game off the bench in this one. Played 31 minutes, had only three personal fouls, which was great because, you know, he's. you would think that maybe he would need to get his timing back after being off for so long. Timing does not seem to be too much of an issue. You know, maybe his wind was a little down the other day because it was his first game, you know, playing – an NBA game again after however many weeks, but seems like it's totally back as of today. Uh, he shot seven and nine from the field for 16 points, had 12 rebounds and three block shots, all very classic Mitch blocks uh, Two where he just ate two guys up on the inside. Another where he blocked a three pointer on the perimeter, which I've is a site that I've really missed. Uh, you know, you don't realize how much you miss that sort of thing until you're without it for four and a half, five weeks. And, uh, you know, the, the offense was great. It really, it sort of underscored that whole, like, you know, we've been pretty content with Nerland's Noel, uh, throughout the time that he's been, you know, filling in for Mitch as the starter, but on offense, Mitch really adds a lot more to that position in the sense that, I mean, we saw tonight, like. He could finish a lob from anywhere. He took a very 
off place uh Alfred Payton lob, which shout out to the person who responded to the Strickland today uh on Twitter and said, you know, we should acknowledge that Elf throws the best lobs to Mitchell Robinson on the team. <laughs> I'm like, no, he doesn't. He really doesn't. Uh, because there was one where Mitch literally had to come down with the ball because it was in such bad position. But um one where, you know, he threw this one where Mitch threw down a really big jam because he was able to just extend for it, get his arm cocked back, and then slam it through. Another, I mean, RJ had to throw one into a really tight window. So I don't totally blame him for having a it be a little off, but RJ threw one that was a little off to Mitch as well, which Mitch sort of like weirdly smacked between his hands <laughs> and managed to quote unquote lay it in uh more or less just kind of like willed the ball into the basket that was not but yeah it was crazy it was a lot of coordination like mitch even looked at his hand afterwards was like did i do that <laughs> like <laughs> um so there was that one uh you know he he was residing in the dunker spot a lot and had a couple of jams that way had a couple of offensive rebounds for putback jams i mean it was just a, a mitch tour de force but where do you want to start as far as Mitch is concerned, Gavin? Man, I just I, I love how mean he played in this one. It seems like he was he was just reengaged and and thankful to be back on the court. It was was my big takeaway. And I think he he was rightfully frustrated throughout the first part of the year, like constantly getting missed, being open on the lane. Like I mean, you always you always hear announcers like go to that cliche. You know, if if, if your big man makes a play defensively, you gotta you gotta feed him on offense and like pay it off. And obviously. Uh, Mitch isn't a traditional back to the basket big. That's not really how the NBA works anymore. But you got to you got to give him something when he's when he's open. Like like get him get him as many attempts as, as dunks at, as possible. And I think the Knicks did a little bit of a better job of that. But part of it was just like Mitch on his own saying, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to get eight shots or ten shots or eleven shots." Um, and and he was able to do that. Like the my my favorite play of maybe the entire game outside of like Randall going nuts was um, in the third quarter, Burks, it seemed like he thought he was going to get fouled, so he threw up like this prayer of a fadeaway, like far and away the worst shot he took all night. It fell like three feet short of the basket, and Avdia was, or excuse me, Hachimura was there to get the ball, and Mitch came from basically behind him, like sort of lightly hip-checked him, like beat him to the ball, ripped it out of his hands, one dribble, turn around, flushed it, and it just, it, it epitomized this entire night for Mitch where he was just, bigger, stronger, more athletic than everyone on the Wizards. And granted, it was a really good matchup for him with the Wizards' big rotation being Mo Wagner, Robin Lopez, and uh, Alex Len. Not not exactly like uh, the the early 2000s or the 90s Pistons, but he, he give him credit. He, he took full advantage of it. And I don't even know if that's that's the best we're going to get from Mitch because he's, he was talking about how much he's benefited from the five weeks off and watching film and getting to sit next to the coaches during games and, and talking to the vets and saying, what are you seeing here? What, what are you doing there? And, and I think those instincts are going to continue to come into play offensively, but especially on the defensive end. And he, he got some big blocks around the rim. He got a, he got a block from three on a shot. He, he just had no business getting to him getting to it was um I think it was Anton Gill my bad if I'm getting his first name wrong former Virginia big and he took a three and and you could just tell he he's never seen anything like that in his, his college basketball and international hoops days like someone like Mitch's size getting to a three that he was he's maybe five feet away from when the ball was released and still getting a fingertip on it and and that's that's the freak factor with Mitch 
but also the instincts and the basketball IQ factor saying, I got to be out there. He's going to take that shot. I'm still going to find a way to get to it. So I, I think, I think Mitch, if he can play like this and, and granted again, the, the opponent wasn't ideal, but if he can play at this level against good teams, that unlocks another level for the Knicks. And as good as New Orleans Noel has been, Alex, to your point, um, Mitch elevates their ceiling in a really meaningful way. That I'm not sure the Knicks, like obviously RJ playing well has a similar impact, but but given what Mitch does on both ends of the floor and and you're hoping you, you get the continued play from Randall like come playoff time or come the end of the season, Mitch can take the Knicks up a level in a way no one else on this team can. Well, you know, Gavin, Mitch can take the Knicks up a level that no one else can. But if you want to take your bank account up a level with great sports picks, do you have any recommendations for me? It's it's funny you ask, Alex. I got the perfect thing. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, as we well know, college basketball and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. I love betting on reality TV. People talk about how it's it's sort of a fool's errand to bet on sports, but reality TV, it's very predictable. People are going to get drunk. They're going to do stupid things. Just bet on crazy stuff happening and you will always win. And the good news is Bet Online has real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. So you can make those crazy bets right alongside me. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. And the best news is it's free to sign up. But I got some better news for you. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if, and this is a big if, use our promo code locked on. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. And today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Of course, we've been telling you about Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, fantastic tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And now it is the time to figure out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, uh, as we record this, was Coconut Brownie Chunk versus Lemon Almond Cheesecake. I am thinking slash hoping that that had to be a runaway for Coconut Brownie Chunk. It is a a champion among Built Bar flavors. Easily one of the best ones. Got the light and airy coconut uh, with the little brownie chunks on top. And it's got, I believe, 15 grams of protein in something that tastes like an Almond Joy had a baby with a brownie. I don't know. It's so stupidly good and tastes just like a candy bar. And now, you know, once that matchup goes final, and again, hopefully Coconut Brownie Chunk makes it to the enticing eight, the enticing eight field will be set, at which point we're going to have some real tough decisions to make. First off with cookies and cream versus coconut almond. This matchup is very close to my heart. Probably my two favorite bars of the of the more classic variety of built bar. The you know the the chewier version that has more of that like like the thicker uh texture to them. Coconut almond, of course, has little chunks of almond in it. So good. But cookies and cream, I mean, it's just like it's the perfect foil for a chocolate-covered protein bar. And Bill Bar does it better than any other company. I, I'm calling it a toss-up, and I don't even know who I want to win. I will not encourage you one way or the other. If you like cookies and cream the best, go for that. If you enjoy Almond Joys like myself, maybe vote for Coconut Almond. 
I don't know. I, I might create some burner accounts just so I can boost up both of them and uh, figure it out that way. But if you want to place one vote or multiple votes or whatever you want to do, head to builtbar.com or go to bar underscore built on Twitter and you could check out that day's matchup, place your votes. So if you want to order some, maybe order a box full of the enticing eight, go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com, and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. All right, and just like that, we are back into the action. But just a reminder to get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. And uh, Gavin, I I think it's time for our R.J. Barrett talk because uh, he came out. He actually wasn't scoring the ball too much early in this game, but he was diming, uh, throwing some amazing passes all around the court. And he had wound up with five assists for the game, which seems low, but actually led the team. I mean, it only seems low because he did so much of that damage early and then sort of settled into scoring late in the game. So traded in his passing chops for, you know, just destroying uh, Washington, getting to the basket for the whole like second half of the game. But where do you want to start with RJ, who, by the way, had 21 points, five rebounds, five assists and two blocks in this game, including one that elicited an aloha from Clyde. <laughs> that was that was a good moment. Um, yeah, just I mean the the back to back assists to Bullock in the second quarter really got me hyped. Had like a little little no look to him for a corner transition three, but then then the next one really made you get out of your seat. Driving lefty, kind of like a, a, one of those hook passes over the outstretched arms of Alex Len and Denny Abdia uh, to Bullock, and, and he kind of. I don't know if this was intentional, but if it was, it was just an insanely like 10 out of 10 good pass. He moved Bullock away from his defender or, or at least the nearest defender on the pass to give him a little bit more room to get the shot off. And he hit him. And, and this is becoming a theme with RJ hit him right in the shot pocket from like 20, 20 feet away ish, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I, I don't know how long the court is, which I should know, but um, he, he put it on a dime and, and he just set up Reggie for a wide open three. Then he had like a look away um, bouncer to Alec Burks in the corner, which was like slightly lower degree of difficulty, but you just like to see him be unselfish. You mentioned the, the pseudo lob to Mitch that Mitch like juggled and found a way to put in. Um, he's benefiting from drawing a crowd whenever he drives because he's he's essentially on. It feels like I, I know the efficiency tonight wasn't incredible. I think part of that was he missed a lot of shots late and wasn't too hot from three. But it feels like he's automatic going to his left hand right now, and he just looks so confident on his handle. Like even even the time he drove and and Isaac Bonga complete. I think I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Um, completely destroyed his shot. Um, he he's just putting together multiple moves. He toasted Avdia one time on like a double between the legs. Like he he just looks increasingly confident and varied in his ability to finish. The chemistry with Randall continued as Randall set him up for three. You mentioned it. He just absolutely like volleyball sp- spiked that Westbrook layup in transition. 
Um, I loved when when he when Garrison Matthews was on him and RJ was just going to take advantage of it. I mean, there was there was the one time in the first half when Garrison Matthews was on him and and Elf threw the world's all time worst entry pass that went like forty feet over everyone's head and probably hit someone at the top of of MSG. It, it was that bad. Uh, but then in the second half, RJ was like, "Screw that! I'm not going to leave it up to anyone else." He has Matthews on him, just going one on one, and with RJ, it's it's the strength. But it's also the patience. So often you see younger guys with a mismatch and they want to rush it. They just, they just want to go to work. And they, and they want to they're, – their thinking is I'm going to embarrass this guy as quickly as possible. I'm going to do it fast enough that I don't mess anything up and I don't give them a chance to like poke the ball away or do anything savvy. But RJ is, is just confident at this point. It just backs him down, backs him down, backs him down, reverse pivot, easy layup. And, and this isn't the first time RJ's done that. Like every single game you're seeing him do that once or twice where he knows he has – an advantage in terms of physicality, and he just takes his time and pays it off. Um, he, he's not shooting a ton of free throws, which I know has been a big emphasis for me, but I, I'm coming around on that and looking at it as a good thing. He's getting so much separation on his drives, which, which was a big issue for him last year and, and was something that had me questioning, like, all right, just how great of an athlete is this dude? But now it, it just feels like he's easily getting guys on his hip, easily getting to the rim, and, and he's getting some of those, I keep using the same word, easy buckets, that you need to be a great scorer in this league because we know he can make some of the tough ones like those jump hooks, like occasionally three balls. But the more open layups you get, I mean, it's simple. It's what his former teammate Zion does all the time. The better player you're ultimately going to be. Capped it all off with like this reverse spin fadeaway jumper that he showed off a little bit, but wasn't something I totally knew he had in his bag. I know the final numbers in terms of efficiency weren't great. But I, I just thought this was another money RJ game. And he, and he continues to prove that this, this isn't like a little phase. This isn't a little hot stretch. He, he's leveling up in front of our eyes. Yeah, and my favorite, I don't know, I forget if you mentioned this one because there's a bunch of plays in there. But my favorite probably was uh, towards the end of the first quarter, RJ just, I mean, it was somewhat routine. Like he took a pick from, from Mitch on the side. I'm literally rewatching it as I'm, as I'm detailing this because I went and found the play because I wanted to see it again. But he took a little screen from Mitch on the one side of the court. On the other side of the court, Alec Burks finds his way to the corner. And RJ just so perfectly and patiently drew every single defender into the paint on him. Like literally all five guys on the team had a foot in the paint at the time that RJ made his his pass to Burks wide open in the corner. And Burks splashed a three. Probably my favorite RJ play because it just underscores like he doesn't have to be you know, De'Aaron Fox or something to, or John Morant to, you know, compare him to one of his, his draft contemporaries. He doesn't have to be John Morant to be successful in this league and be a successful passer, successful scorer, whatever. Like he doesn't have to be able to jump out of the gym or put on the jets and get by guys at will with pure speed. He just had patience on that play. And it was awesome. Like he, he, took a pick and just smartly started making his way inside and then sort of made like he was going to cut back to the three point line and then just no looked it over to Burks in the corner had like a very slick, like, like quick shoulder turn to start going back up the court. Cause he, he knew that that shot was probably money or he had to get back on defense if Burks missed it, but luckily Burks splashed it. And then, you know, Burks makes it. And it was just an awesome possession for me. And, and just one of those, one of those that just shows how smart RJ is. And that's I think that's honestly the the main reason that he's gonna be good in this league and maybe a superstar. Like maybe we are literally seeing him, as you just said, level up into something way, way better 
than maybe we we could have imagined uh, because he's just, I mean, his basketball IQ is off the charts. Um, but to, to move to the opposite end of the spectrum, Gavin, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Alfred Payton's return to the lineup in this game. And I was not thrilled uh, that he was brought out as the starter. My, I feel like a jerk. Like people are going to once again say like, you guys just hate on Elf for no reason. I'm like, no, I, I'm sorry. I just don't enjoy how he plays basketball. It's not fun to watch. Like he literally grinds the Knicks to a stop every time he's out there. And I sincerely hope that this was just like a last ditch effort to try to pump up his trade value before the trade deadline, because it's so apparent to me how much better the team runs when he's not out there. Like his first move of the game was to get inside and drive into like four defenders, not draw a foul because he's not very good at selling contact or, you know, getting himself in situations to draw a foul. He just kind of is good at like barreling into people and then missing a layup. And so did that to start the game. We saw that a number of other times. You know, you already mentioned he he flubbed a couple really easy passes. Like one was just an entry pass to RJ and he threw it like if there was if there was behind the basket crowds, it would have been about three rows up into the behind the basket crowd. Um, you know, there was another one where for as much as he had that that toss to Mitch, where Mitch was ultimately able to extend and get a really nice alley-oop out of it. He had another toss to Mitch that. Mitch had to go so far out of his way to get that he had to come down with it and then go up for a layup because it was just like nowhere near where it needed to be for Mitch to be able to dunk it. And just in general, I don't know. It just felt like Washington, you know, in most ways they had the scouting report on Elf and were just like, okay, wall off the paint, make him do something else, you know, and that's all they did. And and as a result, he didn't really get into the paint much and just kind of spent the game. All of his time out there was like, try to get into the paint, fail come back out, kick it to someone else, you know? And that was just like kind of the script uh, because he just wasn't able to get the space that he needed on the inside to actually do anything. So, and, and of course, you know, it's well documented that he can't shoot three pointers. So I just, I did not enjoy his return to the court, Gavin, but I don't know if you have any more to add to that. I don't want to turn it into like a crap on elf session, but it just had to be said because we, I feel like these last, I don't know, whatever it's been, like 12, 10? No, can't have been 10 games. Can it have been? I don't know. However many games it's been that he's been, like, mostly out where he came back for that one game and then had to go back out again. So it's only, like, a second game in the last however many. Whatever that stretch of games is, has been just so enjoyable. And when he comes back, it just reminds me of, like, all the things that made the Knicks, like, not fun to watch last year and at times this year. And I just want it to go away. And I want to go back to the fun style that they've been playing lately. Yeah, I'll 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 move our our I, I don't want to say hate, I'll say uh, distaste over to Obi Toppin, who I have nothing but warm feelings for as a human being. I am rooting for him with all my heart to be good and do well. But we gotta we gotta kind of accept reality at this point that it's just it is not happening right now. And after what I what I thought was a really encouraging stretch for him before the All Star break, it just has not looked good the last six or so games, maybe even maybe even a little bit longer than that. But tonight, like there was a play where IQ had like this brilliant like little manipulation, got into the middle of the lane, like kind of spun around, threw it 
back out to OB wide open wing three. His form looked, it's kind of like Kevin Knox early in his career. His form looked gorgeous and the shot went six feet to the side of the rim. And it was, it was just, it was really bad. And there, there wasn't really anything else going on with him when he he had one nice defensive play where he, he drew an offensive foul on Rui outside of that. There just wasn't wasn't a lot to talk about with him, and, and we were we were getting into this a little bit off air. But I, I just I, I don't get how he's going in before Frank. And I know most people say, well, he's a power forward. Frank is like nominally like a guard or an off guard. That's fine. Frank can guard anyone on the Wizards that they're going to put out at the four spot. A lot better than Obi can guard anyone. He can at the four spot. And offensively, he's not just going to be running around the perimeter, like aimlessly doing dribble handoffs or making like short needless passes. He'll do, he'll do a little bit of that, but at least he provides some real spacing and a real credible threat from three. He's been showing some, some juice off the dribble. He had the, I mean, he absolutely torched Evdia on that little like step back head fake between the legs blow by that led to a really nice assist to, uh, I think it was block for three. Um, and look, Frank, Frank's not perfect. I, I was, I was going off on his play in the pick and roll the other day, I mean, he has long stretches where he's still not confident enough. He's um, as much as I love him. I'm, I'm willing to admit he's he's a highly, highly imperfect player. But, 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 but he's a lot better than Obi Toppin on both ends of the floor. And I, I would have been preseason. I would have been shocked to saying that offensively, Frank didn't make a huge level up, and he hasn't. It's just that Obi's been that disappointing on that end. Um, for that matter, I would I think Kevin Knox deserves to play over over Obi Toppin. I I don't know if we talk about that enough, Alex. I'm 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 a little bit surprised at how much they've just like dusted Kevin Knox and said you're you're totally out of our plans. You're at best a human victory cigar. I I know there were like when when he got pushed out of the rotation, there was just some there was good reason for it. Like he was he was having breakdowns, he wasn't shooting as well. But the stretches of good shooting he showed this year and improved awareness on both ends of the floor. I'm sorry, like when when Obi was playing good, there there was a hundred percent argument there. Right now, I think Knox is is clearly the better player. Maybe there's something in practice they're seeing to the contrary, but it sort of feels like they're only playing Obi based on his draft position when you have two guys in Knox and Frank that are younger than him, better for everyone else, and, and just, I, I would say, more deserving of, of playing time at the moment. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Uh, I also would say, you know... <laughs> Uh, on the topic of Avdia, I want to I want to like mea culpa right now and say like I was wrong, man. I don't think that he can play defense at the NBA level. Like he got he got torched by uh, Frank and by RJ in this game, and probably and as you said, he got just dominated by Randall. I I, I don't feel any remorse about not taking him and taking Obi at this point. We could still maybe bellyache over Vassell or, of course, like Halliburton. Everybody wants to, you know, complain about. Although I still think you take Halliburton, that probably means no quickly. So, you know, pick your poison, I guess. But, yeah, I, I speaking of lottery picks that probably shouldn't be getting a ton of minutes, Avdia did not look great. But to your point about Obi potentially, you know, just being out of the rotation for a bit, we literally just heard Mitch say, like, sitting on the bench for a month, you know, granted it was injury related, but sitting on the bench for a month and just kind of taking things in really helped him gain better perspective on the game. I think maybe that could be something that could be beneficial for uh, Obi as well. I guess just to finish things up, because we're starting to run a little long, uh, shout out to Alec Burks, who had, I think it was his third straight game, 20 plus points, uh, 20 points, 6 to 12 shooting, 2 of 2 from 3, 6 to 6 from the free throw line. Uh, unlike some of his other games, 
where it's been kind of take the good with the bad. This one was like all good. I mean, I thought this was a fantastic game for him. Um, made a really beautiful hustle play where he caught a ball going out on the baseline and flipped it back like with way too good a precision uh, to the group of Knicks that was there and like over the heads of the Wizards guys that were close to the sideline um, and started a, a great fast break that ended in a Reggie Bullock three. Also, shout out to Reggie Bullock. Thank God he's not hurt because uh, he had like kind of twisted his ankle or whatever, but he did manage to come back into the game. And uh, shout out to Jared Harper getting a couple minutes. And for Emmanuel quickly being the garbage time god and getting 14 points in 12 minutes with three, six shooting from three. Some of that came during regular time as well, like when he completely ended uh, Raul Neto's life. But uh, uh, other than that, you know, he had a little bit of garbage time fun too. So yeah, that's my, my final takeaways for this one. Good note to end on very quickly. Shout out to Alec Burks, third straight 20 point game. I mean, for for a dude who's just who's played on a bunch of different teams, he just he has a lot of game to him. He's, yeah, I mean, just the sheer variety, the threes, the the mid range jumpers, like getting to the basket, uh, bankers from like the right and left block. Like he he just does a lot of stuff really really well. It's all clicking for him right now. The issue for his whole career has been the inconsistency. Like, can he do this over long stretches? But the Knicks, the Knicks are looking really good as the sum of their parts. And they still, like, I mean, who knows? Derrick Rose, like, he, he's talked about that he had a really bad bat with COVID. And it might, I, I think, with some of these guys, we're, we're bringing them back a little too preemptively. So I really hope, like, the Knicks, like, have him at 100% before he's out there playing. And, like, he's not having any issues breathing or anything. But when he comes back to, that's just another element. And to your point, you, you take Alpha out of the rotation. You take Obi out of the rotation. All of a sudden... The Knicks, I mean, with the way Bullock, Burks, and all these guys are rolling right now, you're 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 eight nine deep with with real NBA players, and that's I, I know despite the hard luck losses and like all the projection systems that say it's unlikely the Knicks are going to make the playoffs, this looks like a playoff team to me at full strength. So we we will see what happens, but that is for the future. Again, one final reminder: we are going to be on locker room tomorrow at five thirty. Talking today, to technically speaking, oh, most people yeah. are probably listening on Wednesday. <laughs> good point. Good point. I, sh- I shouldn't have said that. All right. Wednesday today for most of you, for all of you, we will be on at 530. Um, so please, please join us if you're listening to this in the morning. Uh, it's, it's, it was it was so, so cool. I mentioned it during the ad read, but I'll, I'll say it again in case people skip through it. It was it was really special to be able to interact with people like that and talk to people. It reminded me of like the couple of times I was able to get to in-person meetups and it's a cool opportunity because obviously not everyone who's who's a fan of the show lives in New York. So this, I mean, wherever you are, um, New York, uh, greater United States, anywhere in the world, uh, this gives you a chance to come in, talk to us, talk to some other Knicks fans. The first one went an hour and a half. It was a whole lot of fun. Come in, any question you want, give your own opinion as well. We really, really enjoyed it. And we look forward to talking to you on Locker Room today. Today, emphasis on today, 530. Until next time, be good, peace out.